You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Baum. 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 Ryan, good day, sir. Good day to you. You notice anything different in the podcast room? You know, it's a little uh, creepier. Hmm. That wasn't the word I was looking for. Well, you got a bunch of, it's all horror posters now. Yeah, I, well, I took out the hockey jerseys and I just said, you know, I interview a lot of actors and producers and things like that. I love entertainment. I love horror. So, yeah, I just started, I put all these posters in, in here and uh, I really like it. You can't really see, but I even have my urban legend poster up there. It's the, just the one poster of me uh, where it's my chubby face in the bottom corner right next to Jared Leto and Terry. Reed. Uh, <laughs> you know, I like it. It's just different. I like change. But I don't like change. Yeah. I like the same thing. I like eating the same thing. I like doing the same things. I don't like people taking me out of and I'm and I'm I'm working on that mm-hmm. because I think that's important to get out of your comfort zone. Do you do that? Uh no, not a ton. No. Um no, I agree. No, I don't change is hard. Change is hard and change is gonna come. Change is difficult. Well, we're, pro, we're you know, it's just been such a, a crazy year for everybody. And I know you didn't get to go home for Thanksgiving. No. And you were uh, very upset about that. I was because I don't like change is hard and I don't I never miss Thanksgiving and I love being with my family and it's just nice when we go up and it always feels like a like a reset for me because yeah. my parents live like on a they live on a mountain in Sonoma. Mm, rich. The the house is actually very modest, I will say. Okay. Well, <laughs> um, I'm sorry about that, man. I just I know that you love your family and if it makes you feel better, I, I haven't seen my family since my grandfather's funeral last Thanksgiving. Right. I haven't seen my mom in years, but um you know, the, 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 these are the sort of things that everyone's going through. It's not just you. It's like I everybody I talk to. It's like, you know, people who are, you know, I don't want to say responsible because then the people that go, then you say they're irresponsible. But no, I know people are being safe and all that stuff. It, it's just, it's eventually this is going to go away. We say it every week. So it will go away. We will, at least we have these thoughts of uh, a vaccine coming and mm-hmm. home testing and this and that. And before we know it, We'll look back and think, God, do you remember that? That was so horrible. I swear to God. Do you remember the <laughs> 2020? Oh, shit, man. <laughs> hey, guys, thanks for listening. Uh, great episode last week um, with James Rodé Rodriguez and with Dulé Hill. Uh, just, I, I love those guys. I, I always love when Ryan has a good time editing. So you should watch the episode if you haven't seen it, if you just listened to it. But I really appreciate you guys subscribing on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, watching and subscribing on YouTube. It really, truly helps the show. And uh, that's all I'll say about that. So just do it. If you're thinking about doing it and you haven't done it, if you're here for today's guest and you like the show, please follow us. Um, our socials, Ryan. Uh, at Inside of You Pod on Twitter, at Inside of You Podcast on Instagram and Facebook at YouTube.com slash Inside of You. We should probably make one of those in the little social thing. That yeah, can you just put the, Oh, there they are, right there. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Thanks, Ryan. They're right here. You can just well, thank go. thank you, Bryce. This Bryce makes Bryce those. does that. Yeah. Oh, thank, thank you, Bryce. Look at this. Yeah. See there? Is it right there? I don't know. I want to thank all the patrons, my patrons. If you go to patreon.com slash inside of you, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash inside of you, you could join the wonderful family. And I uh, hope you guys had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Um, patrons are, are uh, listeners, friends, fans who... Um, want to support the podcast in another way and they get special things like i don't know it's just a tight community talked about it uh, ad nauseum <laughs> uh but it's wonderful you know they get to ask you know shit talking questions to the guests some tears and they get merch boxes and discounts and youtube lives with me and zooms just a lot of stuff there's a lot of stuff there and um 
join if you want to. It's a lot of fun. I always send you a little message right after you join. That's me, of course. I always hate when people say, that's not, is it you who's sending them? Yes, it's, of course it's me. I could, I am, I would feel incredibly guilty. I couldn't live with myself if I wasn't the one messaging. You know, I have these merch boxes that I send to the, you know, the certain patrons um, in the tier the, every uh, four months or whatever, every whatever. And I, I make a little note. I, I write that out, a handwritten note with a little inside of you card. Um, that's me. Um, I just couldn't imagine somebody autographing something for me or signing something for me or writing. So I think that's just, just disrespectful, isn't it? Yeah. It's rude. It is rude. It is. I don't, I don't particularly like that. Um, I also announced uh, the name of our band, Rob Danson and I. We have a new band and it's called Sunspin. I know some of you are going <laughs> Sunspin. I, I actually really like it. In fact, Ryan, what did you say about it? Oh, I, I, I thought about it some more, and you, it's something you can see, like, on the back of, like, a t-shirt for, like, a music festival. Right? Yeah. You what? see, like, fish and sunspin. Radiohead, fish, sunspin. They might be giants. It just, it's simple. It's California, the yeah. sun, spin, uh, you know, records, music. Uh, it just sort of fit, especially the music that Rob and I are, are, are making. And the album's coming out soon. It's called Sunspin. Um, we do stages stage it's at the end of every month mm -hmm. the last saturday of every month two shows specific time two and six p.m so uh go to stage it.com type in michael rose mom follow me on there and uh you'll get alerts we're gonna have a bunch of other stuff and sites and fan all that stuff so we're really excited about it and um i think you're gonna love the album which we hope is gonna come out in january or february um we're finishing it now and it's just remarkable i'm i'm so proud of it and our, I'll give a shout out to Zach Darling our producer engineer who's really rocking and everybody who's worked on the album um and uh yeah also if you want to go to the inside of you store lastly inside of you store um there's tons of stuff and and take 15% off the code is inside 15 uh mugs autograph mugs tumblers autograph tumblers shirts wine glasses towels bunch of stuff uh so check it out if you want inside 15 uh i love dule and james and they talked they have a, a very special story last week about uh, their good friend who worked on psych with them timothy omenson and that mm -hmm. was really heartfelt and then getting timothy on the show and he was a little reluctant you know i don't think he does a lot mm -hmm. and uh, he's been through a lot and you know we got him on the podcast and i don't i don't know what it is man some people i just feel like uh i want to hang out with them i've said it before mm -hmm. but innately just a wonderful human being and tell some amazing stories and talk about adversity having a stroke unexpectedly and what that does to your family what that does to your life and your career and how you navigate and um so that's amazing but before we get into timothy omenson we have a very special guest she and i did zoe duncan jack and jane uh, TV show. She's been in uh, Hellboy and Cruel Intentions, and she's done so many things, and she's wonderful. And she's what happens. I saw Timothy on Larry King, mm -hmm. and Larry said, "Who is uh, your? Who do you admire?" I think it was, mm -hmm. and Timothy said, "Selma Blair. Selma uh, has MS, and mm -hmm. she's stronger than." most people I know and she's been dealing with that and she doesn't do a lot of interviews but uh, I thought that was amazing I had to reach out to Selma and she was so touched by it and I said you know what would you get on here and do a little intro and she said sure 
So first, before we get inside of Timothy Omenson, let's get inside of Selma Blair. Hi, cutie. Hi, lovey. How are you? You look good. Look at your hair. I love your hair. Thank you. You know, I went to Chris McMillan yesterday and it always helps. You know, when you get a good haircut, it makes such a difference. I looked like 80s mom, you know, like <laughs> yesterday. And now I look like 80s, you uh, know, aunt, aunt, you look younger Thanks. than an aunt or a mom. <laughs> Thank you. Even though you have a, a, a nine-year-old. He's nine now. Yeah, he's nine, Michael. I can't believe it. When's a kid going to happen for you? <laughs> you got all serious and looked at me. So when <laughs> I, know, are, wait, I don't even know. Are we on right now? Yeah, we just, we, we just record. We just record. What? We're just, yeah, we're, we're recording. Yeah, yeah, that's all cool. But I'm really, um, I, I don't, I won't do this to you while we're actually having our conversation on a computer. But anyhow, Michael, um, I love you. And I, I mean, kids are overrated. It's like a house guest. But like it has bad manners and stuff. It's really stressful. <laughs> you know, it's got to be. Look, first of all, I've known you for since. I mean, I've known you since. I've known you the longest. I mean, we did our first show. Rose. Oh, my God. We did our first show educating Matt Waters. With Montel Williams. Job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was 1990. Right. It, was job. it was in New York. You've been like a huge part of my life. And I remember your apartment, too. In Alphabet City and, oh and with Matt and the guy that died in the end of the hallway and how bad it smelled all summer. <laughs> Do you know? It smelled so bad. It was so hot and it was so bad. And I'd come over and like gamble for like off track betting. Do you remember that? Yeah, I had an OTB account. I forgot that I had yeah. an OTB and I would accept people's bets. And I had so much fun. And like my boyfriend at the time, like Jason Grossfeld came over once and He's like a huge real, like real estate guy in LA, you know, in LA now, but huge, huge. But uh, he did off track betting with us. That the, was I for, fun. I forgot. The, so a guy just briefly, so you know, no, I know this is, a, you know, a, a, an intro with Selma, but a guy, a guy died in my apartment. And as we were walking in, Matt uh, and I, huh? The guy died in your apartment building down the hall and hadn't been discovered for a week. Like a <laughs> and I said, oh my God, what does that smell? Matt goes, smell somebody died i go no it's like sour milk the sourest of all sours once you smell a dead body like you never sandwich to me it's like a <laughs> shit sandwich like a fecal sandwich oh. is death. and my sister was a cop and in detroit years ago and she'd she'd find a lot of suicides or deaths and like is it's so fascinating to me. I love this stuff. You know, like if I die and I'm not found for a week, like I could be like, look like 500 pounds and might be hissing with body fluids and gases escaping. Okay. Th this amazing. is, this I is more about this. I wonder why I don't sleep well, was but yeah, so that happened and I, it smelled so bad. There was, that was the summer of incense off track betting. <laughs> incense <laughs> and off track betting. Listen, there's like I, I promised you this wouldn't be long and you know this is an intro so look the whole reason we're here is i've known you forever and uh you know timothy Olmanson, who's the guest on the show today he um he was on larry He's king incredible incredible actor and he had a stroke a couple years ago and has been so brave and talking about it and like it really helps people out there and i know that all of a sudden i'm watching this interview and then he says um larry king says so who was you who is your inspiration? Who inspires you? And the first thing he says is Selma Blair. And it's so huge to me. You know, it's the best. Um, 
It's the best feeling of someone that you admire their work, the way they live their life. You And then they, they mention your name in any way. It never, it's so flattering. And this has been huge to have to learn something so new, you know, it, this, um, stage in the game, you know, and it's, and he, to know about him and like such a great recovery he's made in that. And that, that's what I'm learning too. I just started really doing really intense physical therapy. It's hard on zoom to do PT for brain damage, but, um, but I, but I do it and, and speech therapy and it helps immensely. So when I listen to him and like saying he's really recovering and it took two years really for him to get back to work, it um, made me feel so much better because I just thought I was going so slow yeah. with this going in and out. But, but as my neurologist also says, brain recovery is, it, it's, it's such a discipline and it takes a long time. And to see someone put in the work and do it and talk so elegantly like he does about it, it's, I'm, I'm really happy. He's well, you know what's amazing is I assumed he knew you. Why else would you say some? No, hey. but then I thought, oh my God, maybe I have more memory loss than I think. I'm like, Rosie, did I, did I work with him? I don't <laughs> no. think he did Xena, the warrior princess, but and I did a spinoff, but we didn't work together. I was Cyan, the warrior princess for a minute, but um, it did, it didn't work out. So I really don't think I did, but you know, I don't think you did. Brain damage, you I didn't. I, I asked so him. I <laughs> no, I think that you honestly just inspired him by coming out, and that had to be hard. Look, I, I want to just quickly. I think it's so important because you and I share something that I think, and maybe I think we're both two people that have always wanted attention, wanted the, the life of the party. It's like, oh, Selma's going to do something, or oh, here goes Rosenbaum. He's a We've got to do something to fit in. At least I've always felt like I had to fit in. So, and I know you talked about, I think I talked to you about this and you think like a stress had a lot to do. And we've always like, if it's one person I could relate to in terms of who relates to stress, for some reason, I just am always stressing about the little things. All of a sudden my body's now, I'm like, why are you worried about the contractor coming over this morning? And do you still, cause I know you've been like really working on that and it's still stress. The thing, like the things that we thought were little things, they'll still, you still activate. Yes, I still stress and I'm working on yeah. it to help. But let, let me ask you, do you think stress has anything to do with bringing out MS? Do you think it has a huge part of what? I, I absolutely do. I mean, I I, I, I do. Um, I think stress, the mind-body connection is, <clears throat> I, I really hope that people stop saying, you know, like there's just brain, like, oh, you just have a brain hit. No, it's it's because I go in and out, you notice. Mm -hmm. um, of speech patterns being imperfect and, and, and some movement. And, um, I forget what I'm going to say. Wait, there's the point is that, that this will be the, like one of the biggest, um, what were you saying again, Michael? The, the stress, Sorry, like the stress. Part of no, no. stress. By the yeah. way, you're, you're this saying. It's like a part yeah. of me figuring out how to get through it when I, my brain just kind of. You take your time things. and you just do it. And by the way, so it's stress. And like, so how do you deal with it? I think, it? you know, I was born stressed. It's yeah, just like yeah. my thing. I, I, I maybe came from like a histrionic family, kind of dramatic, some parts of it. And, you know, I would kind of adapt into that. And I don't know if I wanted to fit in I didn't ever think I was worth anything so my only way to 
fit in with people and have friends was to make myself the big joke or or not think nicely. I remember not being as kind growing up. I should have taken some yeah. improv classes. So it would be yes and. I was always no, but, you know, and and turned it into this whole, like, routine I do because I felt if I did show up somewhere, I'd have to... I didn't think of it as attention stealing. I thought, oh, I have to give something. And and it was kind of thoughtless because you're just then, like... By the way, I, I'm cutting you off only because I'm like... Thanks. Like on the verge of tears right now, because I think I'm like looking at myself, like what you're saying. These things are just like, honestly, like I found myself being emotional because I I feel that way. I feel like I always just tried to, like, I just don't feel comfortable. I never have yeah. felt comfortable. So I, I think, yeah. you know, we, we probably hurt ourselves. The stress probably yeah. gets, becomes overwhelming. Absolutely. I mean, our central nervous systems can only take so much MS. And, you know, I also have you know, something called POTS that came about from the MS. It's like a postural orthostatic thing that all of us have when we stand up with, you know, you pass out, but I like will pass out at anything. My heart just changes rhythms. Um, and it's just, I see daily how any stress, how this is not stressful to talk to you. This is amazing to talk to you, but just me, because I, I can't see the screen that well because I get double vision up at this thing so I shut my eyes and I realized that stress right, that is a right. form of stress so in our just looking at a screen you know I'm not upset I'm not crying but that's stress for my body for you going out and and having you know people expect you're funny Michael you know and and so it's really everything we put this stress on ourselves to accommodate and to try and be healthy and then should try and get to sleep and I'm instant gratification yesterday so you know, like I'll self-medicate with meditation or negative things in the past, you know, that would, you know, do all that. And it is all stress. And then the way I'd react to stress or you, that can be more stressful. And I absolutely think I just kind of burnt myself out. Like, sure, I probably, have, you know, I'm Irish and that's like people from that hemisphere get, get that nervous system thing more. But all of these nervous system things, which is stuff that you deal with too, um, we have a lot in the world, even before it got, this is more chaotic than we ever thought, than I ever really allowed myself to think, you know, what it is when people really have to stop and, and realize what's going on and, and the chaos. And it's all that stress, even though my life is very privileged in my house, but I'm stressed for everyone and I find, yeah. You're pretty I damn articulate, I got to tell you. Like your mind, like the way you were sounding like, I, you know, my mind doesn't connect. But like the way you're speaking, it's so much more eloquent than I Thank could ever speak. You. I it, try it really is. It really I mean quickly. And I will learn to talk better. A lot of it is just getting these kind of contractions and then not breathing correctly. There's really calming down. Does that have like calming yeah. yourself down? I mean, I'm really calm now. Like I still am like hyper and I move too fast, but I realize. And another thing from watching Timothy he moves very purposefully mm. and he takes his time when he talks and when I do that my voice is clearer as well and it changes your whole energy and this will take a lot of therapy for me to learn to go against my nature of rushing 
to please or rushing to check out, <laughs> you know, one or the other. So it's all stressful. Life for me is stressful, like until now, at least when I did get a diagnosis, so much of what we want is validation. Just validation to say someone hears, I don't want to hand out sick or not. I mean, I love a handout. Who am I kidding? But <laughs> I don't, I'm not like... It just feels better to connect with people. And we've connected really deeply, me and you, and you've affected a lot of my friends. And uh, like, we're, I just find the more people try, truly try, it's just easy and less stressful to talk to them because you feel they're not so judgmental. That's less stress. It's all the stuff I think people might be thinking. And, and, um, and things are worse if I go out in public. I move worse. And at first, then I'm like, oh, my God, is this psychogenic? It's all in my head. Blair, you're crazy. You're going in and out. And it really had to be explained. Just the stimulus, like light, get the traffic jam or people coming at me or talking because I don't have good proprioception. But I can learn how to train this. And staying out of stress is the key. You're absolutely right. I mean, I I absolutely believe all the diseases I will give myself in this lifetime have been an accumulation of like grief and how badly I might have dealt with it in the past. (laughs) Do you you think uh, like this? Look, I'm going to let you go now. What's the one thing or maybe there's two that you would just say that really helps with your stress and just calming you down ultimately? The first thing that comes to your mind. This too shall pass. I mean, it's real. It's on my shirt. I actually ordered it. It's. <laughs> I love it. Um, Gamze Yavor. That's Hebrew. I actually ordered it on Amazon. Um, it's funny enough, and I really love it. But it just means this too shall pass. And my mom always said it. People in AA say it. You know, Christian. I mean, it's. And in the good and the bad. So if I'm feeling great, I remember this too shall pass. <laughs> so enjoy it. Spend time with your son. Make sure you get on a Zoom with Michael for this. <laughs> you know, like, but that's it. Like, I just make sure I do the few small commitments and I keep it small for now. And, and then I settle. And it's amazing because it really is how everyone is. Whether you don't have to have MS to notice the difference. It's just more extreme. Cause I get more traffic in the brain, but this is how we are. We're made like this. I'm sure so many people who listen to you, <laughs> I mean, everyone is, if you open up and it is the getting settled and yeah. that's what's happening in our world right now. Um, hopefully settled in a, you know, in, in, it's such a shift happening, but, um, Dude, listen, I love you so much. And I, I just, you inspire me. You, you not only inspire <laughs> Timothy Elmanson, but you inspire so many people and your story. And it just really, that's what life's about is inspiring people and telling your story. And if it helps one person, it's helped. That's, that's enough. I agree. It really, it really is. It's the biggest pleasure of my life right now to see my son grow up. Okay. And to think that anything that I could do or you could do people I know that anything we could do would help people in the world because I think I felt useless for a long time I never had a big career path because I was so thrilled that anyone would give me a job I would just kind of take stuff and 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 I didn't ever think I was worth thinking I would have a career almost and you know just that thinking burns you out and I'm a whole you know different kind of thought pattern now i don't i don't i would know i can take care of myself now before a burnout but um so much for a five minute conversation can't help 
but we both love each other. We love to talk. You're great on your show. And I hate to talk until I'm talking. It's like sex. Who wants it until you're in it? I mean, if you're an older woman. Oh, I listen, I love you. I don't want you to keep going on because I could talk to you forever, but I'm, I'm going to bother you. You look fantastic. I love that you're just, I mean, you're doing so well and you're, you are an inspiration. Thank you so much. I love you. I really love you. Thank you. Inside of You is brought to you by Rocket Money. If you want to save money, listen up. <laughs> I don't know how, how to tell you this other than f- this really works. Ryan went through this. Mm-hmm. We have so many unwanted subscriptions that we forget we have. And, uh, you know, there's so many apps nowadays that we just get lost. And, you know, I'm not very app savvy. And, you know, I'll watch a streamer. And then the next thing I know, I forget that I just watched one show and I'm still subscribed to this after six months with rocket money. They take care of you. Rocket money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Why don't you say, did you know that nearly 75% and end at, did you know that nearly 75% of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about? Yeah. I'm one of those people, Ryan. And between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it's never ending. Thanks to Rocket Money, I'm no longer wasting money on the ones I forgot about. With Rocket Money, I have full control over my subscriptions and a clear view of my expenses. I could see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, Rocket Money can help me cancel it with just a few taps. I love the dashboard and how it shows me this month's spending compared to last month. I like doing that. Uh, so I can clearly see my spending habits. Plus, they'll help me create a custom budget and keep my spending on track. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lowering your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with the customer service for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions. That's simply astonishing. Saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash inside. That's rocketmoney.com slash inside. Rocketmoney.com slash inside. Inside of you is brought to you by Nutrafol. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with less shedding. And look, hair thinning impacts a lot of us, myself included. In fact, over half of us will experience hair thinning at some point in our lives. It's not only common, it's normal. Join over 1 million people who are doing something about it with Nutrafol. Nutrafol helps support hair growth from within by targeting possible key root causes of thinning, stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, and even metabolism. Does the craziness of everyday life leave you stressed and shedding? Since having kids, have you started seeing a little more of your scalp as menopause impacted your hormones and your hairline? When it comes to thinning hair, there are many possible root causes at play and Nutrafol helps address them through a multi-targeted whole body approach. While many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrafol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy. In Nutrafol's own clinical studies, 72% of men saw more scalp coverage after taking Nutrafol men's hair growth supplement for six months, and 86% of women saw improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol women's hair growth supplement for six months. 
While many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrafol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy. In Nutrafol's own clinical study, 72% of men saw more scalp coverage after taking Nutrafol men's hair growth supplement for six months, and 86% of women saw improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol women's hair growth supplements for six months. Take their hair wellness quiz at Nutrafol.com for a personalized hair health plan based on your specific possible root causes. With Nutrafol, getting help building a hair growth routine is simple. Purchase online, no prescription or doctor's visits required. Free shipping and automated deliveries ensure you'll never miss a day. You could see results in three to six months. Take the first step to help you see visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter promo code INSIDE. Find out why 4,500 professionals and stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L, Dot com promo code inside that's nutrifall.com promo code inside inside of you with michael rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience how's it going bud i'm i'm doing all right man thanks for uh spending your sunday with me you're like oh, i gotta do this podcast for god's no, no, sake i'm happy to talk to you sorry it took me a while to get here no i look i appreciate you and you know i think the reason i i wanted you on the show so much is because you know, I, I think you said we, we met once a long time ago. I think we, we passed somewhere along the ways in the Sutton place. Probably. We all passed. It's like the ghosts of the Sutton place. place. But, but then it, we met, you and I actually met and chatted at uh, the Troubadour. Oh, yeah. That was uh, when we played after Richard Spates band or yeah, before like them. We opened for them, right? Yes, I think that's what it was. That was a blast. But the way everyone I talk to talks about you like... I mean, I hear this stuff about Henry Winkler. Like he is the the mensch of Hollywood. The, the Who is he? I didn't know that. Yeah, like the nicest guy you'll ever meet. And it's true. I worked with him, and he's he's still that guy who checks in and goes, "Michael, I'm checking in. I hope your dog's well, Irv. I hope everything's great." <laughs> like you hear it when he texts. You can hear it. And um, with you, it's sort of that. You know, I get this feeling that everybody loves you. The best guy to work oh. with, and super talented. But you know. And you went through this whole thing, and there was so much yeah, love. You, you forgot handsome. Well, definitely handsome. Wildly, wildly handsome. Wildly yeah. handsome, and you have uh, you have style. I like the glasses. I like the hat. You always Thanks, look buddy. astute. I will say that not only did Dulay and James talk about you, but everybody I've talked to, and I have this thing called Patreon, right? So people join Patreon, the extra support of the podcast, and this and that. And when I just go, hey, guys. Who do you guys want on the show? Do you know how many times Timothy Omenson came up? Oh, yeah, dude, you've got like a fan base. It's not just the psychos. The psychos are the, 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 the fans, the diehard fans from psych. Exactly. Right. I just wanted to make sure now, hey, by the way, I yeah. listened to the, um, the one, the cast with, um, Jensen Ackles yesterday. How's the, um, what's going on with the skin cancer? Ah, uh, you got to bring up the skin cancer. Jeez. Well, you, you brought it up. Well, you know, the reason I brought it up was, you know, I'm glad you did. I was going to tell you, sir. Well, thanks. You know, I, again, I brought it up because if there's anybody out there who just is like, you know, I have like, my dad won't check anything. Most people don't check anything. And the, the thing is, it's so easy to check something. This was growing. And I was like, it's on my thigh. Eh. And then my friend Carrie's like, why don't you just go in and just let him look at it? So he said, yeah, it's probably nothing. Then they called me back and said, yeah, it's skin cancer, but you know, we're not worried about it. We're going to go in deeper. We're going to, you know, so my, the whole point, I didn't want to like, 
and I even said it, I think, on the show, like, hey, I don't want you don't have to text tweet me and, and all these things. I just want you to know that just check yourself out now. But thank you for inquiring or asking about that. So that was no, but I, also, I thought it was really good that you brought it up because people do need to check that shit. Yeah. I mean, with you, I mean, honestly, before you had the stroke, your health was pretty damn good, right? That's the crazy thing. I was in the best shape of my life. That's what James said. He said, this guy worked out religiously, lifting weights. I mean, you looked at him, you think he's indestructible. That was actually the problem is I, between you and me, I am, I was working at a CrossFit and did a super heavy deadlift. Like personal, personal, they were going personal best heavy. So you're doing a deadlift. I was doing a deadlift and um, at one point saw stars. So what actually happened is I, I tore a carotid artery in the right side of my neck, which then led to eventually it threw a blood clot and hit the right side of my brain and took out the left side of my body. Well, okay, this, this freaks me out because I'm a hypochondriac at times. And like the thought of like going, you know, you want to go a little more weight. You want to put some muscle on your body. And it's just like, if you're pushing too hard, you didn't, I mean, were, were you going harder than you ever thought you'd like it would cause any issues? No, no. But in fact, the, um, the weight up until I put on more weight was, was fine. Like I knocked them out really easily. So yeah, I can put a, put a little more on. Then it just something went wrong, and I don't know what it was. And no symptoms, by the way. No, no like were there things leading up to the? I know you were like at a film festival somewhere, and it was a, actually the night before I am um, while in the screening of the movie, as it was ending, I experienced like the worst pain, worst headache in my life, like a nice pain in the back of my head, just reading, and I could not shake it, no matter how much Advil I took. So that was the only symptom, which I wouldn't think is not a stroke symptom. I mean, now I've, I've come to understand that if you ever say I've had the worst headache, headache in my life, you go to the hospital. Doesn't that sort of, I mean, I know that when things like I've had a lot of surgeries and things like that, but you know, if like, God forbid I had a heart attack or a stroke or something like that, isn't it, is it always in the back of your head that you're like, uh, oh, I should worry about that. I had a headache. Is it, is it bad enough to go to the hospital? Is it, are you like on top of it? Or are you still not as uh, crazy about it? Like, like uh, for me? Yeah. Headache wise, no. Like this was this headache was like one I've never had before. And, was and one, I, was, yeah. I was in the middle of something, so I couldn't like go. I couldn't just drop what I was doing to go to the hospital. All right, so let let's rewind. I didn't want to start with that. That's sort of what you kind of might end with, perhaps. Sure. <laughs> but and there's your there's your mug with your your face on and it. Nothing if not vain. <laughs> it's all right. You, you by the way, you have great facial hair and a nice house. By the way, I like the the roof there. Where where are you right now? Where do you live? Little, this is the old little guest house in the back. You have a guest house. I've always wanted a guest house. Which, um, unfortunately, we didn't put the air conditioning on before I came out, so it's a zillion degrees. And I'm wearing a hot straw hat. So, I'm taking it off. so you have good hair, too. You, so you're, you're actually really hot right now during this interview? Is that what you're telling me? You're incredibly At hot. At the moment. You got me a little jacked up, Mike. <laughs> All right, so listen. So you, you grew up in Missouri in the Midwest. Not grew up, but I guess you were born there. I was born in Missouri, left by the time I was one, grew up in Seattle. All right, so Missouri, throw Missouri away. You're not a Cardinal fan. You're nothing. You moved to Seattle. Nothing. That's where you I have, been. I have no knowledge of Missouri whatsoever. Right. And so you, were your parents always like, by the way, you know, I always talk, I always ask this question, but were your parents pretty supportive growing up? Were they always like, whatever you want to do, loving, I love you, that kind yeah, of stuff? No, I was like, very, very lucky and coming from a very supportive family and loving. And you know, it was great. And like, they were both kind of into the arts. So took me to the theater, took me to the symphony. And then once I said I wanted to be an actor, they were great. Really great. Because my yeah. dad, I said, I told him at Denny's once. I said, I'm going to be an actor. He's like, eat your steak. <laughs> I remember it. I remember it. it was after a play in college. He's like, hey, come on, you know, you're going to college here. You're going to be an actor. 
Because if you think about it, if you're a father, you're like, what are the odds that my son's going to make it? He's not. Most likely he's not. If you are betting on this, you bet against your son. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't sound right. By the way, if the, you're going to go for steak, go to Denny's. Exactly. That was, uh, you know, he took us to Denny's. But, you know, I, I didn't mind Denny's. But, you know, to have your parents support, I always say, you can always tell when you meet someone if they had a good upbringing. Most of the time. Like, I could just, there's this, I, I've seen some interviews with you. I've, there's just this genuine, gentle soul that's just a good heart. People talk about you so, you know, overwhelmingly. And so, when I was, I knew you were going to say I had a good upbringing. Before I even knew anything about you, I knew it because I could just tell by your I don't know, disposition or the way you carry yourself. And there's just a certain confidence. There's a certain like you don't. St- it seems like you don't stress out about the little things, do you? I, I try not to. Well, what stresses you out? You know, where your parents, they never fought. They never, you know, you, you, you had no dysfunction. You were just you, you didn't deal with a lot of uh, adversity growing up, you think? No, I mean, I really didn't. There was underlying grumblings behind the doors, but nothing There was. There were no plates being thrown. <laughs> I could tell you some stories. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in a small, well, my, my whole family was from New York, but we, we moved from like, we lived in Connecticut for two years and then we moved to Indiana. My dad was like, I mean, he was 19 when I was born and then he was 25 when my brother was born. He already adopted oh, my two, my brother and sister from my mom's first marriage. So look, you know, it's a, it was a shit show, but you know, but having parents that are taking you to the theater and doing all these things and there's love and they, they were open. They're like, I love you, Timothy. Timmy, I love you so much. You always felt that, right? Yeah. In fact, my dad always made a point of saying it, which was some. Every day he said it. Not every day, but he, I mean, he just wanted to make sure that I know I was loved. Oof, that is so important. People don't realize how important it is to just tell your kid, I love you. And in the mind, even if they're a fuck up or you're you're worried about, you know, they're not doing exactly what you thought they'd be doing, just to give them that, like, hey, I love you no matter what. That is a huge thing for someone to hear, especially, you know, growing up, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's a little, when you're 12 years old and your dad's sitting there, she's saying, hey, just, you know, I love you. You're like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> okay, great. Thanks, dad. Did you say what the this, fuck, this, dad? This, no, of course not. <laughs> I swear on my father, he would have. He would have what? I, I would, he would have been rather what? cross with me. Oh, he wouldn't have loved you. I would have gotten the almonds and eyebrow, and um, I can't imagine ever swearing in front of my parents. What's the almonds and eyebrow? It was the um, the right. I I can't do it anymore since the stroke, but pretty classic. The eyebrow raise, really like so, an arched eyebrow. Oh, so since the stroke, you can't do that because I can't Correct. look. At, I don't look at you and think there's anything wrong, like anything wrong or not working on you. But you know, what are the things that aren't working? Uh, like if my if I'm sitting next to my dog, and my dog licks my my left ear. I can't feel it necessarily, or licks the side of my face. But I know the, um, yeah, the eyebrow doesn't work anymore. Now it's just like both go up. Where the eyebrow before was sort of a trademark of my work. I was able to convey a lot of emotion with an arched eyebrow. Do you try? Do you? Is are there exercises? Are there things that they're saying they this could come around? This could come around. Uh, yeah, I mean, actually, I haven't really talked to him about that part. It's more of the um, vocally. I'm not what I used to be. What do you mean? Like I had that used to have this sort of really rich deep baritone voice which is not kind of really throaty and just like when we, when we were texting about being articulate right i didn't mean like intellectually articulate i meant like i get a little mush mouthed i tend to speak too fast now and just run run on so i really do have to work on slowing down my rate of speech because everything gets a little garbled so you purposely do that you purposely slow down the way you talk just because you want to make sure you're articulate enough or whatever actually i don't do it enough it's not something that's right in my in, that i think about enough 
I think my text back to you was like, just hang out with me for half an hour and you'll feel so articulate. <laughs> you did, it was something like that. Yeah, you will feel incredibly articulate. Um, it's funny it's, you brought up my skin cancer thing earlier because uh, I'm wearing a hat. I wear a hat anyway. It doesn't matter. I don't care. But I went in there to get a body check before they take the thing, you know, they, they rip the rest of it out of me. And uh, he goes, oh, let me take that thing off your nose. I'm like, what? He's like, oh, <laughs> it's pre-cancer. No big deal. I'm like, Jesus Christ. So it's he like, just threw around the word pre-cancer? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like, I'm like, he's like, look, you're going to live your life normally. You're not going to worry about these things. You're going to go about your business. And this is what it is. And that's kind of a really good message in a lot of ways. Look, if he thought, you know, he's obviously be smart, wear SPF and these things like this. By the way, I know we're kind of going back and forth, but do your doctors say, these are certain things I don't want you to eat. These are certain things I don't want you to do. There's got to be a list of things that they kind of tell you, right? Sure. What are those things? Uh, with me, it's like, you know, don't smoke. And um, I mean, obviously, it's just the stroke of that. Not that I really smoked, but. Um, and then, you know, watching my cholesterol is one for me. I mean, I'm 51 now. So there is, so again, we're going back to working out and we're working out, we're talking about the pre-stroke. So I'd lost a bunch of weight. I'd always been sort of a little skinny fat. You got a little belly I was trying to lose. So I was doing super high, hardcore cardio and lost a bunch of weight. And that's when I wanted to put on some weight. So I wanted to put on some muscle. That's the, the weight lifting. And that can be very dangerous, obviously. Which I just found out the hard way. Right, so you weren't getting help necessarily to do all these things to build, you know, body mass or whatever, but you were doing it on your own, but reading about it and things like that, correct? No, I mean, I was I was going to CrossFit, so I was doing lifting there, which I I'd, I'd done CrossFit for years, and um, eventually got the point like I don't need to lift these weights anymore. And then because I'd got so skinny and I wanted to put some weight on, I would say so my vanity almost killed me. Welcome to fucking Hollywood being an actor. Fuck, you know, it's so funny, too, because I, I don't think people, people always talk about overweight and how they're trying to lose weight. And I've always been real, real, real thin. In fact, I always got picked on or talked, you know, you're skinny or, you know, I right, didn't Look start. at these guns. Yeah, well, uh, you know, but I, I was always skinny, but I, it's just as hard because I always want to gain weight. I got to lift muscles because, you know, I have friends that are like, you look too skinny, Rosenbaum. You got to gain some weight. And I'm like, fuck, you know, so I'll hit the gym and. You know, it's it's hard. It's hard to gain weight. It's hard to maintain weight, just as it is hard to lose weight and stay. You know, and I think for actors, it's like we people don't realize. Everyone talks about sort of girls and their issues, but for for men, like we're we're at the checkouts, or we, there's men's fitness there, and just as much as there's all the the magazines that maybe women are more looking at. Yeah, we're seeing you know Hugh Jackman all jacked up and <laughs> Hugh Jackman all jacked up. That's one of those tongue twisters you say before you do a play. After a stroke, that's hard, too. <laughs> Did, do you do those? Because I know in theater we do those rubber baby buggy bumpers. He thrusts his fist against the post and the, still... The, 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 yeah, see, those are so hard now. But do you? does it help you when you keep doing that to, for speech and things and articulation? Yeah, I think it does. Even sort of like I'm trying to do some warm-ups, so just like vocal range warm-ups before I'm talking for a long time. Yeah. But uh, did I do them today? No, I didn't. You didn't. So, so I can't bitch him out about being all mush mouth. <laughs> I think you sound fine. You know what? I was going to go start kind of like from the beginning in a way and work, but I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. This is like, this is kind of all together because I guess the big picture is you're a great actor. You're incredibly Thank funny. You. You've had a lot of success. And, you know, I, there's so many ideas and things that I have. And I usually think about, you know, it's, it's it, a lot of guests think it's therapy for me and it is, but it's therapy for everybody else. And it's like, how do you, how do you, 
look, you have two, you know, beautiful daughters and you have a wife and you're a good, loyal guy. And, you know, there's probably no moment in your mind where you're like, oh, my God, fuck this. I don't want to be alive. You've never you never thought that. I guarantee you. No, not for me. No, I would. Mental health watch you're talking. Yeah. I know I've been very fortunate in that regards where that's not something I ever really struggled with. That that's that's such a that's a gift. That really is a gift. It's like, you know, uh, because I know a lot of people, probably including myself, you know, when something happens, there's something about it. Even when I've had these big surgeries and I'm eight months out and I'm in horrible pain and popped up on pills. Do you say popped up on pills or pumped up on pills? I always thought it was hopped up. Well, whatever. This is why you're the articulate one here. <laughs> hopped up on pills and you're like, I just feel you almost it's almost there comes a point in your life where you're like, I'm young, I'm indestructible, I I could do anything, and boom, reality hits you and like surgery, this, that, and you're like, wow. I'm the um I mean, one of the things with post-stroke that's been a big sort of topic around my life and people who know me is and people who don't know me asking me like, how are you maintaining this attitude? Because I kind of made the decision really early on that a pity party wasn't gonna help me. I had the, there was this uh, there was a, a counselor at the clinic I was I went I go to a neural rehab clinic every day. In the early stages of my of my rehab, there was a counselor I would see, and I sat down one day and she was like, "How are you?" I'm like, "I'm great." She goes, "Yeah, that's what everybody says. Everybody say, all the therapists say you're great. What's going on? How do you do it?" And we talked for a while. I was like, "I don't know." I think the big point was like my, I would say my parents were depression era. Like you don't bitch and whine. Wow. I so- being in the ICU and it kind of slowly starting to think sinking of what happened to me because like right after the stroke like i couldn't walk i was in a wheelchair i couldn't i mean i'm not able to walk with a, with a cane shorter distances now and, um, now you walk with now, a cane shorter yeah, but, distances. so i really had to rehab to learn how to walk and i still wear a leg brace because the um the muscles around my my, my left ankle aren't can't support me so it would, if i weren't wearing, wearing the brace would just buckle and i would go down and my left arm still my left hand and arm hand doesn't work so i'm doing therapies for that and that's slowly but it's a little bit better than it was like before there used to be absolutely nothing in my arm but now i've got a little shoulder movement so i'm making slow progress but anyway so as it was sort of hitting me what the hell was going on i literally said to myself wait a second you became a successful actor you beat hollywood the stroke's nothing like recovering from a stroke, like I can do this. What a way! See, to put things in perspective like that. I mean, was it like that from the get-go? You wait. Take me back to the point where you wake up in the emergency room or in the hospital, and your wife's there. Is she with the kids? And like, what is what's going through your mind, and what's going through her mind, and what? So I, when I, I when the stroke first hit me, I was in a bathroom in the Tampa airport, and I collapsed. My left leg, my left leg went out front of me. I collapsed, got up, collapsed again. I guess someone got me out into the waiting area where there were some paramedics came and tended to me and there a bunch of people shouting at me. And, um, you know, they're doing the, the stroke checklist of show us your teeth, tell us your name, what year is it? Who's the president? And I literally, I was still with enough to think, I mean, my normal joke would have been, haven't I suffered enough? But I, I was with enough to think, wait a second, you're in Florida. These are first responders. These are probably Trump people. Don't crack wise. You need these guys on your side. Don't be an asshole right now. Right, right. So I was thinking that clearly enough to do that. And then I remember being in this, putting out a gurney, and I'm in the back of the ambulance. My legs are kind of up like this, you know. And um, I remember looking at the um, the texture of my jeans. Just I just noticed the weave of the fabric, and it kind of hit me like, this is not good. You got you got a wife and kids. You got to get this is not fucking good. 
Every, wow. Actually, as I was waiting for the paramedics to come and or whoever was going to come take care of me, we were sitting in the, uh, sitting in the waiting area. I kept falling off the stool because I was trying to lean on this side and my, not realizing my left arm wasn't working. So I remember thinking, sitting there thinking, not knowing what the hell's going on, just all I was like, I kept falling down. I'd stand up and fall down. Then people gather around me and yelling. I remember shit, going, shit, something's not right. Oh, fuck, I never did that in case of emergency thing on your phone. You know, you're supposed to put ice. So at one point, they, they're talking to me and I told them to call my wife and I gave them my wife's phone number. And I said, um, eventually they're like, okay, we got, we got your wife on the phone. I'm like, yeah, don't freak out, okay? And they're like, yeah, it's not going to happen. But for my wife's side of the story, it's cut to them screaming in, at her on the phone. Your, wife's had a, your husband's had a stroke, get, get to Tampa immediately. So the worst fucking moment of this poor woman's life. Oh, my God. And it's like 7 o'clock in the morning. So then she makes an emergency phone call to her best friend and some other dear friends of ours who sweep in and, sweep in and grab our kids and take care of them. And then... It was only like months later, me after I'm home, that my oldest daughter Lily confided to her mom that it just she was just in such terror for a really long time, not knowing what that was going on, just knowing that I was sick and in a hospital. So it really, I mean, for as much as it affected me, it, it, much for much more beyond that, it's affected everyone in, in our household. Oh, so it's almost like you know you go probably through a process in in a sense. I mean, this is extreme. It's probably not a good analogy. I'm not full of great analogies, but if someone passes away, you go through all these stages, right? You go through, or any kind of loss. You go through, you know, the the grief, the anger, the all these things. There's probably, in a, in a sense, like this happened to dad. We're going through this. It's the trauma of it all, and then real, you know, dealing with it. All these stages that they have to go through as well. I assume. Absolutely. In fact, I think it affected my daughter Nora probably more than it affected Lily. She's just a little more sensitive, so I think she absorbed it a little more. So at one point we sat, Alice and I sat them down. We're all still trying to grasp what the hell happened. And with the thing like with the brain injury, you don't know what you don't know until it kind of presents itself. Like it, for me, because it was a right side injury, it affects different things. It affects the left side, right hemisphere injury will affect the left side of your body. Then there's other subtle things that go with it, like attention. Like I couldn't look somebody in the eye. Like it just took me forever to like look at somebody in the eye because I'd get distracted and go off. And it really bothered my youngest daughter that I couldn't, that I didn't look her that when I talked to her. But that's something I really had to work on. And once I was made aware of it with, through my cognitive therapist. How long did the, something like that take? It was um, ongoing for months, I would say. Until finally I would get a little better. And she would sort of make a, a note of, oh, dad's getting better. He's looking me in the eye now. As we were so anyway, Allison, my beautiful wife, and, and I sat the girls down. We're like, okay, look, this happened, obviously. And it sucks. So we got to figure out what, what the message is here. I said, the best I can sort of do is, I think the lesson here is bad things happen in life, but it's how you respond to them that define you. So part of my recovery, my drive to get better was always about, I got to get better for these girls. And I got to keep working for them and get back to, try and get back to something. I mean, about a week before I had my stroke, Lily and I were hiking up in Running Canyon. Well, we used to hike. I mean, she and I would hike every day. I would hike every day. But a lot of times she would come with me and my dog. It's like, I got to get back to that canyon spot. Just, uh, in fact, in, I mean, there's a lot of things I got to get back to. But one of the over, overwhelming driving forces was always my girls and my family. I mean, um, it's crazy when this happened too, because I was at the zenith of my career. And then 
professionally. So, and then personally, Allison and I just bought like the house for our dreams. We've been waiting 10 years to buy. We were literally in escrow when it happened. So I'm in the ICU. She flies in with her best friend, Jensen. Thank you, Jensen. And two of my best friends from, from high school and my best friend from LA. They all fly in to kind of take care of her. And she's fielding calls from our mortgage broker about, are we pulling out of this deal? And I was sort of, I put the torch out because I was not in my quite right mind. I was sort of wake up out of these fever dreams going, keep the house. I want the house. I kept dream- <laughs> there was this pool. And I kept dreaming of rehabbing in that pool. <laughs> right. So I wake up, she's like, we've got to make a decision. I'm like, keep the house, keep the house. My financial advisor was in Florida and he drove in. He's like, don't keep the house. Uh, we thought we had enough money for it. He's like, unforeseen medical expenses because that's all I'm going to say. You And thank God, we, thank God we didn't keep the house because obviously my career kind of came to a massive halt. I mean, I'm working a little bit, but surely not to the level I was before. So my income is certainly up in question. It's, inc- it's incredible. I mean, I, I can't even imagine. And by the way, do you have strokes, in, any strokes in the family history? Uh, no, my, my grandmother had one, but that was an old age kind of stroke. Right. But mine was this weird thing like, you never realize that young people have strokes. Our friend Rob Benedict, you know, Rob Benedict. Of course, had one. yeah, Rob Benedict, my dear friend from Supernatural. Right. Who you opened for his band. Yeah, I love him. He's such a great guy. He's the best. So Rob had a stroke, and um, which they never really came to the bottom of what happened. But he also had a, a carotid artery dissection. His was on the left side, which the left side affects your speech more. So he's actually been really instrumental in helping me sort of come to this and guiding him my way of. So I would look at him a lot and see how far he's coming. Like he's come incredibly far. Inside of You is brought to you by Neurohacker, Qualia Synaletic. I just sent some of this to my mother, and she's starting to notice the differences mm-hmm. in herself. And she, because I noticed my mother was always had brain fog and and she couldn't think clearly. And and you know, and and I, I was like, well, this stuff works for me. And what's great is I didn't even they weren't even a sponsor when I started using this. Um, have you heard of Synaletics yet? Well, listen, it's a class of ingredients discovered less than 10 years ago, and they're being called one of the biggest discoveries of our time for helping to promote healthy aging and helping to enhance your physical prime. Your life goals in your career and beyond require productivity. But let's be honest, the aging process is not our friend when it comes to endless energy and productivity. That's why I use Qualia Senolytic. As we age, everyone accumulates senescent cells in their body. Senescent cells may cause symptoms of aging, such as aches and discomfort, slow workout recoveries, hello, sluggish mental and physical energy, hello, associated with that middle age feeling, hello. Also known as zombie cells, they are old and worn out and not serving a useful function for our health anymore, but they could be taking up space and nutrients from our healthy cells. Much like pruning the yellowing and dead leaves off a plant, Qualia Senoletic helps remove those worn out senescent cells to allow for the rest of them to thrive in the body. And you just take it two days a month. That's it. The formula is non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, and the ingredients are meant to complement one another, factoring in the combined effect of all ingredients together. And they must believe in their product because they have a 100-day money-back guarantee. It's pretty amazing. I felt higher energies. Uh, I feel uh, more focused, um, younger. I have to say, because a lot of these things make me feel younger. I feel more uh, productivity happening in my life. 
a little more enthusiastic. Help resist aging at the cellular level. Try Qualia Senolytic. Go to neurohacker.com slash inside for up to $100 off and use code inside at checkout for an additional 15% off. That's neurohacker.com slash inside for an extra 15% off your purchase. Thanks to Neurohacker for sponsoring today's episode. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The products and statements are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know how many times I have to talk about this, but it's so important. If you're sitting there right now and you're stressed or you're anxious or you have a lot on your mind and you just bottle it up and you don't know what to do, it's going to come out and it's not going to come out in great ways all the time. Um, BetterHelp has helped me substantially. Ryan here has been using it for a while. And I, you know, don't you notice when you don't use BetterHelp? When you don't have therapy? Oh, the weeks where I miss a session? Of course, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's like the more you talk about something, even if you don't think you have anything to talk about, things come up and it puts your mind at ease. And we all carry around different stressors, you know, big and small. And at times we keep carrying them around rather than processing them and letting them go. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy from BetterHelp is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for all of us. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. I think people think, oh, what if I don't like my therapist? If you don't, you switch them. It's that easy. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com inside today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash inside you know you said something um while you're in the ambulance i believe you said you saw the texture on your pants right you saw you just were staring at it and you were just hyper focused on it with all this craziness happening you're saying this is bad i just remember like when my grandmother died who's like i just loved this woman more than it was my first real terrible loss i remember you know hearing on the answer machine and it was like my uh, aunt she's like michael it's it's denise please uh, please call me back as soon as you can and i just knew and i, s- I remember you know the cottage cheese ceiling you know that yeah. texture there was one dark dot i think i've talked about this but I, on the ceiling and i just remember staring at it for 15 minutes and just sort of just just zoned in on it kind of taking it was just this hyper focus like evaluation of what how are you going to deal with this prepare yourself and Everything sort of becomes that that Hitchcock soon. Exactly. And it was like, this is what you have to do. And I went from absolute fear and just devastation to I've got to call my mother and tell her that our mother's dead. I, I'm the one who has to call these people. I have to be the sane one, which, I mean, look at me, Timothy. That's <laughs> not, it's not easy to say that. But um, it's just, I mean, inc- like you can sit here and you're obviously incredibly brave. And, and, and you know, I just keep thinking, yeah. you know, such a great actor, and you are. And then right after this, you know, they're able to, for psych, for the, they're doing a movie, Lassie Returns, which is kind of a twist on your character's name, right? Yeah, my character's called Lassiter. Lassiter and right. They, his nickname was Lassie. So they call it, it was, it was called Lassie Come Home. We're yeah. going to be uh, official with the titles. 
And they had to refigure the script to kind of get you, they wanted to get you in there? Yeah, so especially, the, we, we did two movies. The first movie happened as I was, just after, so while I was in the, really the big throes of my recovery, they were filming the first movie. So James Roday and Steve Franks, our creator of the show, hold up at Joey's right across the street from the Sun Place Hotel in Vancouver, which was our kind of our clubhouse. They sat there for three days and rewrote the entire movie to get me into a cameo, which by the way, we shot right back here. So I shot, so they could make, so they wanted to make sure I could get in the movie to get, to make my insurance to get paid. So they reduced my role down to a, um, a FaceTime call with Maggie Lawson. And um, again, just the love of these guys showed for me to, to get me in the movie. And then the second movie was really all about his recovery. I'm just thinking, so we, like, we were back here shooting in the, in the guest house, we showed us off scene and then at the end we're, i'm standing sort of outside here in the backyard and i asked james to help me walk to the front of the house and i was walking with a stick and he, and he, looked at me, he goes hey remember when you couldn't walk at all i was like oh shit i do that's right i couldn't walk so it's little moments like that where um you know there was this uh when i was in this clinic we would every now and then, every now and then, every now and then have like a group a group chat with them um, someone would be asked to speak and there was this guy there who was um a little older, sort of very salt of the earth. And um, yeah, I think he was a farmer, but he could have been a longshoreman for all I know. But he was talking about how he hated being in, in the clinic. And, and before the clinic, we were in, I called it a halfway house for strokes. Because you're in sort of a residential living facility, kind of learn how to take care of yourself a little bit in wh whatever ways you can. But so they're watching, and suddenly you go from being a very private person to having eyes on you 24-7. This guy was talking about living in this fishbowl and how much he hated it. But then he said the best thing that I ever heard, and I've really taken it with me and taken it hard. He said, honor the milestones. So with recovery, you really have to honor the milestones to think back to like, oh, that's right. I used to not be able to walk. I have a, um, an album on my, a photo album on my phone of what I call my recovery album. Of just videos of me when I started learning how to walk again. And just every kind of little milestone of like trying to get my hand to move. And I would, I spent a lot of time sort of texting people and voice, voice, messaging with people and sending videos back and forth with friends in the UK. So I look back at those and just to see where my voice was then. What's amazing now, is, you know, you're doing this. And the one thing that comes to mind for me is, shouldn't we be doing that all the time in life where we're like, Hey, take this moment, man. This is a great moment in your life. Take this moment. Don't go past it. Just say, Hey, this is an achievement. This is, you've accomplished this. This is, this is a, and I think we do that. I know I, I, I do it constantly where it's like being grateful, but in your position, it's like the condition you're in, you're like, you could think, how can I be grateful? But like every step along the way you are, it's like these achievements and you're like, I am going in the right direction. I am getting better. I'm able to walk. I wasn't walking. This is, this is, oh my God. You know, people take for granted, like I could see things every day. Some people can't. So I don't know. It's pretty, it's, it's pretty powerful stuff. It's just, you know, I try to go to bed every night and say, what are you grateful for? Don't think of all the shit you haven't done. Don't think of all the bad things you're going to say about yourself and then go into nightmares because that's the stuff that gets you into nightmares. Why don't right. you think, you know, positive things. And so it's just, it's just amazing. You know, I will say like your cat, the cast, I mean, were the, were the cast from supernatural and the cast from psych, um, how unbelievable, so, unbelievable. How, how, did, did they come? When did, was the first time they saw you? I mean, when they came and saw you or... Uh, let's see. I know Maggie and James Adoulet came to visit me 
in my rehab clinic and had lunch with me one time. And uh, one of my physical therapists, hey, Rebecca, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but hey, Rebecca. Was, a, was a huge psych fan and said that psych was the show that got her through med school. So it kind of tricked me. I'm like, here's this woman who's helping, helping me to relearn how to walk. And psych is the show that helped get her, you know, get her through that, that really tough part of college to do that. Wow. Who didn't keep their shit together? Someone had to cry immediately when they saw you. Um, no, they were all pretty stunning. Really? None of them, they're like, you know, because there's that thing where we got to be strong. We got to make them laugh. We got to do everything. I'd be like, oh, Timothy, oh, fuck, man, no. fuck. I assume they were crying on the inside, but trying to be strong for me. Right, right, right. But um, I don't know, in fact, and then while I was really recovering, those guys were all f- filming the movie. And while they were filming, they would send me um, videos of, we had this tradition on our show, singing happy birthday. You have to ask Magda, that's when you have it on. I was singing happy birthday to someone. Like if there was a guest star we really loved or a director, somebody we really like got along with, who's right. sort of like one of us, and they were wrapped, we would sing happy birthday. But it was more than just happy birthday. It, it meant we love you. Uh, and Marco Ciccone, who was our, our A camera operator, who shot every scene I think we ever did in that series, he was sort of hit the first note. We all, we all had a, there was like a, a band, you know, there's a, a crew band. So he would hit the first note of just this big old, Ah. and we all knew it was on and then this entire crew would sort of hit the note and 200 people would sing this amazing harmony version of happy birthday and the person we were singing to was like what the fuck is going on <laughs> and, then you're just, and then we'd applaud and so it was just our way it's just our little way of saying hey you're one of us you're one of us we love you right and so while i was recovering and they were shooting the movie they came up with team tim and they um would send me videos of them shooting in Vancouver, seeing happy birthday to me, which, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that got me through all this. Friends like that and friends outside of that show that really just held me together and kept me motivated to go. And then the, while we were shooting, well, apparently while I was shooting that scene with Maggie, my, my FaceTime scene back here, right. she was obviously in Vancouver. She said the story of the entire crew kind of got, gathered around her to support her while she was shooting. Because it was a really emotional scene for her character and me. So she apparently was a mess that day. And our first lady came up and said, look behind you. And she saw the whole, the whole crew just like waiting there for her. Oh, to represent me. Just um, the most amazing group of people. By the way, the happy birthday song, were there any people that at the end of their shot shooting, they, they didn't get a happy birthday song because no one could stand them? <laughs> um, there might have been. I'm not going to say any names. <laughs> I had to think you just couldn't say. It would be kind of like, if you did it for everybody, that's really kind. But if you're saying you loved working, it means we love you. There had to be a few where you're like, I ain't singing this fucking song. And I certainly am not harmonizing for this asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'll tell my head, I can't remember exactly which. We had so many amazing guests on that show. I can't remember which ones. Right, didn't right. Get the thing, but. That's amazing. And on our show, like, because it was Vancouver, if you came up for the weekend, you were, you were, if you came up to do the show, you're going to be there for the weekend. There was going to be a dinner. There were going to be drinks, if, that, if you drink. So we were a really social group and social with our guest cast. Right. Yeah, I always thought it was like one of the best shows to work on. It was just incredible from so many people. It was always like, psych, psych, you know, the people. And it was just it was so easy and so fun. And, you know, James, in fact, delay, they'll, I mean, they said something like they just wouldn't allow assholes to come on set. They, they, they yeah, there's have, a total no asshole policy. They're like, yeah, they'd make a call and go, hey, this guy's not what, you know, this can't happen. You can't. <laughs> you, can't. you know, and actually that, that policy, I mean, that attitude of it being a great show, which we all took great pride in it being a place you want to come and work on. 
That really came from James Andoulet. I don't know which ones. I'm not. I don't know who's going to claim the most. <laughs> I'm but sure James, we'll James is because no, I think James was number one on the call sheets. So we'll give him most credit there. But Doulet was definitely a massive part of that. Well, let me ask you this: How hard is it to be realistic with too optimistic? with what your doctors are telling because you hear stories where they'll say oh you're never going to walk again and then the guy's running marathons you hear stories couldn't so you can never really believe when doctors say this is as good as it's going to get uh, is there a big party that's like five years from now i'm going to be able to do 90 percent of what i used to be able to do, or 70 percent or 80 um, or- yeah i mean nobody's ever really said you're never going to do this again or that again although at the time which i didn't realize this i learned this later they apparently told my wife that my neurosurgeon was afraid I was never going to walk again. I walked into a restaurant with my, um, I was meeting my manager, my agent for dinner. And every time they're like, oh, fuck, look at you walking now. Because restaurants are hard because there's usually stairs. And I have a vision break on my left side. So any, anytime you're walking into a room, it's it just, it's overwhelming. So to, just to be able to walk into a restaurant that I'd never been at and get to the table and sit down, I'm going, geez, you're looking how good you're walking. Then Allison told them that. I was like, wait, why did you ever tell me this? I do remember very specifically being in the ICU and every day my surgeon, Juan Valdivia. Hey, Juan, shout out Juan. Juan, Juan Valdivia. Thank you for- I just have like one of the best neurosurgeons in the state was on call that night. And um, I got to have dinner with him a few months ago when he obviously pre-COVID. Was he he blown away by your recovery? It was very sweet. But every day he would come in and we, we, we talked to the story actually. And he reminded me of the number of the, of the bed I was in. And um, he would squeeze my left, my left foot to see if I could feel it. And I could never feel it. So one day he takes me, they wheel me into a, into a room and he shows me my CAT scan. And this portion is, you know, this portion is all gray. And I remember thinking, oh, gray matter. It really is gray matter. But it was totally shadowed. Like, cause you can see where the stroke was. Like there was so much brain damage on that side. He said, so this is where you had your stroke. It was massive. Because I got to tell you, most people would not have survived a stroke like this. Which I kind of sat back and was like, what do I do with that information? It's like, well, fuck, now what do I do? Wow. I guess I got to come back from this. You know, um, one thing I do want to address, you talk about, um, I think you said bravery. Yeah. Handsomeness. Style. 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 Talent. Talent. Overwhelming talent. Mm-hmm. Um, SAG insurance. SAG insurance for now, as long as I can keep it. You will. But, um, Part of the bravery thing, and it's really, I mean, a lot of people have reached out and saying, you know, you're, you're an inspiration, and that's really lovely. In fact, I've got this, I'm going to show off my, my fancy shirt. I just, my daughter designed this. Unbroken. unbroken. I love it. So we were selling these to a company called Stands to help raise money for the Stroke Association to bring awareness to stroke survival, stroke prevention and rehab. But um, part of the unbroken thing, I just want to, I mean, it's not a brand new idea, but you can think about how you can bend a stick or tree branch to a certain point until it breaks. I just could be like, I'm not broken yet. I'm unbroken. And so through this and meeting other stroke survivors, you get a lot of really lovely interaction with people saying I'm ins- inspirational. But part of, I really do want to address the burby part. Part of early on of me going, yeah, I'm, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. I'm not going to wallow in that. I'm not going to sit and wallow. I'm not going to have a pity party in the corner. Where that's one thing, I mean, mourning your physical health or mental health or emotional health, I mean, a lot of ways I feel like maybe I haven't really even dealt with it. So I haven't really delved into what I can't do. I try really trying to focus on what I can do rather than what I can't do. But I don't know how brave it is, but um, where I haven't really 
sat in it too much because I'm almost afraid. And my wife and I talked about this a little bit. I'm almost afraid if I do get there, I will, if I do go to that point, I'll get really angry and maybe won't won't be able to recover from that. So my I've just been sort of stiff upper lip. But again, I don't know if that's the healthiest way to go. Well, I, I it's got to be braver analysis than... and really delve into it. Yeah, because it amazes me. I you know I think, gosh, how many breakdowns would I have had within the first. <laughs> You know, month like God, why the? Oh my God! You know, just like you know, what? I, I'm sure, and it's just like you know, everyone has different ways of dealing with it. But you know, it's amazing. I think you know what I gather. What, you know, briefly what we talked about in the beginning, just this upbringing and this love, and then you think about your family and suffering the, through the depression. You've got these two wonderful girls. You've got this wife, and you've been so lucky. Somehow, in your mind, you've been sort of programmed inadvertently or whatever that you know that's why you were able to put things in perspective like you did the way you handled it is the way that that's of course how tim is going to handle it now i think a big part of it also is i was always i'm an optimist i mean i was always a what's on the other side of that hill kind of guy i mean i think you got to be to be an actor because you come to this town and you're like i'm going to try to do this thing that if they give you the numbers you're like if you really let listen to the numbers no one would ever really try this She's like, of course, of course, nobody's going to work. Nobody's going to succeed. So because I've always been, yeah, let's give it a shot. Let's see what's over there. Let's keep going, moving forward. And I've always been a, um, it could always be worse kind of guy. I mean, I, I have a friend with a terminal disease. So it's like, what am I going to sit here and bitch him on and cry because I can't walk, I can't run or hike like I used to. That's, so it's yeah. like, you know, you really just, I have to look around. I've got plenty of friends, plenty of friends with MS who have, are having really difficult times. So I know a lot of people that are in much worse situations than me. And I think just having the a perspective of positivity has always been, has helped me kind of look at things differently now when I'm in this situation. Yeah. And knowing you're loved, by the way, knowing the overwhelming amount of love that you, you've been given, that's massive. It's massive. I think that has to be such a big part of just like so many people are rooting for you and like the fans and the psychos and the, I mean, it, it, it's just I, I I could tell in having that being loved that much. I mean, being loved is, is important alone, but being loved that much has got to give you the strength or help with the strength to get through things. It really does. I mean, it absolutely does. Knowing that there's people out there who give a shit of how I'm doing that day, and um, you know, this day I don't want to go to the clinic. Like I'm tired. Oh, fuck this. My leg hurts. But I think of my friends who who are rooting for me. And the people in the different fandoms out there who were just so pulling for me and reaching out in various ways. I was like, I got to get up off my ass. I got to go do this. Because in a way, I, I don't want to let them down. I want to let my kids down. I want to let myself down, my wife down. You know, Maggie and I always had this, this saying on the show. Like, you know, it doesn't matter how great a job is. I've always tried to think of, I don't have to go to work. I get to go to work. Yeah, that's nice. You know, one, of my, one of my best friends from, from Seattle is um, an ER nurse like during COVID. So he's under incredible stress and we kind of, we check in quite a bit. And our other, our friend Mike is um, a very positive man. And Darren, at the end of a really long day, we'll kind of check and go, I help, I get to help some really vulnerable patients that were, that were sick today. It's like really like he just faces every morning waking up to going, this is what I get to do. These are the people I get to help. Yeah. And I was like, well, thank God you got out of bed that day. So if, several years ago, I can't do time anymore, so I don't remember when it was. Um, I really can't. No, you're smiling. I can't. I can't tell you like, oh yeah, it was ten years ago. 
Could have been five years ago. Could have been 20. But somewhere during psych, I don't know which season, I was fortunate enough to get to go to um, the Middle East to visit troops. So I was in Qatar for a week at a place called Camp Asalaya, which was the main R&R base for both Iraq and Afghanistan. So soldiers were coming in literally from the field for a couple of days, for like four days of ER or R&R. And you were just started, I mean, I'm not saving a lot. I'm just sitting there shooting, shoot the shit with these men and women and tell them they're appreciated. And one day I'm talking to this young guy. I'm like, hey man, how do you like the base? Like there's a pool, there was a bar. And um, there's a nice gym. And like, how do you like this? I mean, what do you think? Is this okay? And he goes, sir, they give me three beers a day and nobody's trying to kill me. It's A-okay. And that really just pierced wow. my heart. Three beers a day. Because they would give you a ticket for like, you could get three beers in, in the uh, in the bar. So I, I went back to the set of, of Psych and told Maggie the story. Whenever we get a little bitch here about, oh, our trailers are too far from, yeah, no matter how, again, again, no matter how great a job is, there's always something that pisses you off. Like our trailers are how far from the set? I gotta walk how far? What? And then you'd say, "What are getting howling for lunch?" <laughs> so if we get a little snippy, she could look at me or I could look at her and go, "Hey, Maggie, three beers." Hey, okay. Was, was, shut the fuck up, good wine, bitch. Right. <laughs> she's asshole. Gonna... She's, she's talking to me. <laughs> well, look, this is this is it's it's amazing how you put things in perspective. And I know you say that that you know this is look. I mean, that's that's what happens. You 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 make a decision. It's like I could either crumble or I could you know. But like overall, do you really think I'm going to be back on my feet and I'm going to be acting? I'm going to be I'm going to get strong. I'm. Is there a real a reality to it in terms of like, or do you just say I'm going to get as I'm going to keep going as hard as I can to get? I mean, what what do you want? What do you want to do? Where do you see yourself five, ten years from now? God, that's the million dollar question. I really don't know. All I know is I just need to keep plugging away because I do see myself getting my walking's getting faster and stronger. And my wife picks me up the click and all, and she'll say, how was school today? We'd call it school. It's like, you'll never know what I did in school today. You, you'll never believe it. So I can give her these updates. The other day I was able to, um, like the, I was working on This Is Us and there's, I have a line on that show where I play a stroke survivor. And uh, my line is, I'm just trying to walk one mile. I just, my goal right now is to walk one lousy mile a day. So I kind of took that of like, I just want to walk a mile. And so eventually one day I was able to get a half mile I was talking to my therapist because you keep going, you'll get a mile and no problem. There was one day where I realized I looked at my watch, you know, the, the pedometer on it, and I hit a, over a mile and a half from that was working on the treadmill in the morning and when I got home at night, so working on it again. So I took a picture of it and sent it to all my friends and say, Look at this shit. Wow. So I really, I mean, I keep, and so I, not, I readjust my goals. I know there's things that I want to do. I want to get back. I, I was a big fly fisherman. So I may never wade in a, in a river again. My buddy who I go, Cliff, or, oh, it's his birthday. I got to call Cliff. Remember to call Cliff. Cliff, come on. He'll call you. I'll get back to so, you. So, um, anyway, I was talking to Cliff, who's one of the main fish buddies. He's like, oh, waiting's overrated. Just sit in the boat with the beer. <laughs> so, um, but you kind of need a left hand to um, work the line after you hook a fish. So, these guys sent me, there's a an adaptive um, rod holder that they sent me that I'm trying to work out. But um, I was able to put, there's a line in, Last to, last to come home, which is all about um, Lassiter's recovery from getting shot and having a stroke. Where I say, um, and it really mirrored a lot of what I was going through in my own life emotionally. And James and Steve were great about, just do it. So I was able to talk about, you know, what if I don't get better? What, how am I going to teach Lily to fish with one? My daughter on the show's name is also Lily. 
which pissed Snore off, I think, a little bit, rightfully so. So um, I said, how am I going to teach my Lily to fit, fly fish with just one hand? So these are things I really am trying to get to. But uh, prognosis, prognosis-wise, nobody really says, it's going to be this or that. And even if they did, I just got to go on. I know I'm getting better. There's something called neuroplasticity, which is the brain rewiring itself. So I've seen the effects of it with the fact that th- my left arm used to be entirely flaccid. And now, like, there is some movement in it. That's got to be a good feeling. I mean, it's, it's you know, in the beginning, you're probably thinking, you know, I the road just seems so long, you know, ahead of you. And then it's probably you hit a point where you're like, oh, well, wow, these things are starting to happen. I'm seeing it's, that's got to be really exciting to start to see this kind of go as as time goes on. I mean, obviously, it's yeah. you're probably a little impatient, too. It's like, come on, fucking arm, you know, or I'm whatever. Super impatient, yeah. But I know I just I got to I got to put the work in to get there. Yeah. Well, so, I, yeah. I mean, the main thing I have, which like I've got my sense of humor, like that wasn't thank God that my my wit wasn't taken away. Actually, James Wood was like, is it just me? Or did it get funnier after this trope? <laughs> God bless him. So it's like, I still got my sense of humor and um, hope. I still, I, I have endless amounts of hope. Like, hope is all we have. I was telling this to a stroke celebrity on, reached out to me on Instagram the other day. who was having a hard time. I was like, this, what you have is hope. So you just got to keep on that. And it's one thing. I mean, I'm lucky enough that I was able to fight. I was not overwhelmed by Melancholia, if you want to call it, if you want to be an 1880s um, debutante, say, I've got melancholia. <laughs> like, I wasn't a one, but I was able to, to, to go, I'm going to try and fight this. Well, obviously, there's a lot of people who, who can't, who don't have that ability to do that. Well, it's certainly inspiring to hear someone, you know, talk about that and just hearing you say, this is what you have to do. The only way you're going to get better, you're, if you're going to be melancholy and depressed and angry all the time, that's just making it you're, it's so much harder on yourself, obviously. But we don't think like that. But if you have the ability to make the decision to say, hey, I'm going to stay positive. I'm going to each, each achievement I have, I'm going to be grateful. And that's the direction I'm going. Hearing that from you, if someone's out there or, or other people that it's happened to, I think that is incredibly encouraging and that can change someone's mindset because they could look at your progress. Yeah, I, th- I think progress is really how you got to judge it. I mean, everybody's case is obviously different. People have, they have a, a whether it's a stroke or a traumatic brain injury, some kind of, when your brain is affected, everybody's going to heal differently. Depends on how quickly, how quickly they got help, how quickly they were able to get into therapy. And thank God I have health insurance that covers my therapy. Yeah. All right, this is, Shit talking with uh, uh, Timothy Omenson. This is uh, from my patrons who get to ask questions. So there's these are, this is rapid fire. You could just go whatever you want, but shit talking. Although they're not really shit talking. Jennifer asked Timothy, I love both psych and supernatural. Which character was more fun for you, Carlton or Kane? Um, how do you choose which baby you love the most? Easily. Uh, I would say Carlton. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, then I would say <laughs> Carlton. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> The guy in the mug. I don't have a cane mug. That is. Well, I do have some cane fan art over there, but I, I can't get up to that. <laughs> that got me. That guy, that was good. <laughs> Dave P. It's obvious of the close-knit family atmosphere on the set of psych. Does that spill over in everyday life? Do you get together with others on holidays, week weekends, or a meal? Yes. I mean, COVID's obviously broken that up. I think I spent the last three Christmas Eves with Maggie and um, James. Which is weird thinking this year. It's like, oh, we're not going to be able to do the, uh, they're not going to come up for Christmas, our Christmas Eve party. But uh, Dulé and I were just texting yesterday about trying to get together for a distance drink. Yeah, I'll, uh, 
I'll do a voice memo and I'll sing an 80s song. I go, who sings this? And James will immediately get it. And Delay goes, I don't give a shit. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care about that. I don't care about these songs. And then every once in a while, he'll, he'll get one. But <laughs> uh, let's see. Chemistry with Danny. Sorry, he already asked. The chemistry on Psych was just amazing. So that's the question. Daniel M., uh, how much did you enjoy playing Almost God in Lucifer? I enjoyed it immensely. It was very close to, to home. Obvs. Obvs. Like, finally, the role that's right for me. God. The Almighty. <laughs> Although I did, um, Tom Ellis's eyes are so freaking blue. So I was like, okay, I'm not great. I'm not competing with Tom. Yeah, but, he, um, he seems like a nice guy. Got, um, yeah. A lot of them, um, it's like, shit, I'm being rivaled for my blue eyes. Damn it. <laughs> so lots of like crystal blue eye drops put in. Did you love hearing that on set? That people go, gosh, your eyes look great. Would the makeup artist come over to you and go, Timothy, your eyes are just, they just pop. <laughs> you got that. Admit it. Yeah, They're, sure. Of course. Your eyes are beautiful. Oh my gosh, they really pop. The angle, they have 100 mil on you. And it's right up to your chest. And it's just like, your eyes are just blue. <laughs> 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 it was mostly the DP. It's like, buddy, these, how are they doing? They good right now? We should this way or that way? Oh, that way? Okay. Tilt down your chin. exactly where the light's perfect and I won't move my head. Hey, this has been incredible. And I already feel like I love you and I want, I want to hang with you. And again, you I, my friend, like, as soon as this couple things over, you drink? Uh, you know, I'm not a big drinker, but I will come and have a drink for sure. Hey, I'm not like, I, I won't drink. I just don't. I'll, I'll bring you over some. Uh, Welling and I made some wine. That uh, Stephen Amell, he was like, you want to have your own wine and your own labels and you taste them. And so they sold them on Knocking Point Wines or whatever. And, and we got to make all the stuff. And so I still have tons of bottles because, you know, I'm not a big drinker, but I'll bring you over a couple bottles. I got a good porch. We could sip there. What is some porch sitting? I would love that. What does your doctor say about you drinking? Um, they're kind of like, well, you obviously want to take it easy. I did have a seizure once after um, a night of a few too many scotches and maybe one too many beers, but I also wasn't taking my Caesar medication. So we realized I am susceptible to Caesar. So I do have to be a little careful about that. Here's the one, one of the most tragic things about my stroke. Alcohol doesn't affect me the way it used to. So it takes a long time and a lot of booze for me to get a buzz going, which is really freaking sad. This does something for trying though. Wow. Hey, lastly, go ahead. What? No, so the problem is I wake up with a lot of headaches. You do always wake up with headaches. Not always, but it's like, I realize if I'm going to have, because I don't necessarily get a little buzz, I'll maybe keep drinking or watching some TV. My wife and I are binging TV at night. I'll have a few glasses of wine. Then do I really want more? It's like, sure, I want more because I'm sitting here watching some TV. So I'll have another, I'll have another drink. Then in the morning I wake up, I'm like, why did I do that? It's not like I'm right. vomiting a hangover, but just like, oof, that's a little soul. I mean, so I probably shouldn't be drinking, but um, no, I mean, my neurologist hasn't said no, don't do that. Right. So says enjoy it, but be smart. You're like, but I can't, I don't get drunk so easily, so I have to drink more wine. Well, just take it easy. Yeah, then it becomes sort of an overall health thing of like, well, then maybe don't. It's like, why is my, why my belly keep getting fat? <laughs> well, because I had so much red wine. <laughs> hey, listen, on, on Larry King, you said um, someone who inspires you. And I thought that you guys knew each other, but you said Selma Blair. Uh, I did say that. Uh, no, I don't know Selma. We, I think we were Instagram friends. Well, I text her after and I said, I sent her that. And she's like, oh my God, that is so, um, you know, and she was so, oh, she was so, I don't know. She was just, she really loved it. And I go, well, why don't you do an introduction on, you know? So I think she's going to come and do an intro for this interview and just kind of talk about her thing for a little while, like, you know, a few minutes and just 
you know, because it was like, it's amazing that no, but she really does. She does. I mean, I just know her through her social media posts and see the struggle. She, how um, gracefully she's handling her struggles of again, being a single mother and that wretched disease she has. And there's, there's a gal who's never going to throw herself a pity party. Yeah, she is. She is freaking strong and she's so honest and forthcoming and just you know she's an open book that's what i've always loved about her is that she is an open book she's sort of like this is who the fuck i am and i there's you know i give her a lot of credit for that you know and I, i've been learning how to do that more especially having Which, the podcast actually, she's sorry to interrupt um she is really been an, an inspiration if she's the one because at the time when i first had the stroke i was really kind of hiding the effects of it because i mean I, would, I didn't want to work again i didn't want i didn't want suddenly a form of disability Enter me my possibilities of getting work. And um, so like I never I was really careful to never really have pictures in the wheelchair. And um, I mean now it's kind of totally different. But Dulay Hill, actually, we were shooting the second movie up in Vancouver. And we went out to Kitts Beach, which is one of our favorite places, having lived in Vancouver so long. My kids were raised on the beach. And there's a there's a wheelchair mat on the beach, which is lovely. So I was able to walk out on on this. Matt and sort of stand there and Allison, my wife got a picture of me standing there, which is this picture that I absolutely love. And, um, Dulé's one is like, you know, you need pictures of you in the wheelchair to, to, to inspire people to go, Hey, look at this motherfucker. Like he is living his life. Yeah. And it really, it absolutely turned my head around. He was absolutely right. And then I looked at what some of posts and how just honest she was. And I, and I realized how much it inspired me and thought, well, maybe I can help inspire some people as well. And to not be hiding this. Well, you have. You've done an amazing job of that, and uh, I think it is helping a lot of people. It's going to help a lot of people. And, you know, Rob Benedict telling his story on the podcast, uh, Jamie Lynn Sigler telling her story about MS, and, you know, uh, and Selma. Just people opening up, it just gives people hope. And at the end of the day, it's like, you know, I always think, you know, when my time goes, I just want to be able to say, hey, I, I help people. I had a good heart. I wanted to do what I could, you know, th those are the things that I think that you take right. with you. And I don't think you think about them very often, obviously when you're younger and you're going through Hollywood and you're like doing this and you know, you just, and then one day you kind of go, well, if I could help someone, man, that is to me, that's life that, you know, I always noticed I'm the happiest and most emotional when I can help someone, you know, and especially when it's altruistic, when it, when it isn't like, Oh, you know, uh, it, it's sort of like you're doing it because you just you have to do it because you feel it. It's not because you're like, oh, this will be good for me. Oh, right. you know, I'll get some press for this. Huh. That's not what it's about. I mean, I don't. You know what I mean? So yeah, I never like I never said when the local news would air stuff of celebrities, you know, working a soup kitchen over Thanksgiving. It's like no, you want to keep that on the down low. I mean, obviously it's nice, healthy, but it's like, hey, look at me feeding these poor people. Okay, how awesome I am. But um, sorry, I just lost my train of thought. Before that, are you saying um? No, yeah, but it, like you know, it's the difference between people just like sort of uh, doing it because they just want to do this, not because they're getting pressed for it. Like Mark Mark Messier was a hockey player, right? NHL, great. I, I've said this before, I think. But he said, you know, the character of someone when you watch them do things when the cameras aren't rolling, when you see how Absolutely. good of a person they are when the cameras aren't rolling, and that just sat with me, and it's like that's exactly what it's about. I mean, and the fact that you and I are lucky enough to have the platforms we do, it's like, how do I use this for some good? I mean, how blessed am I to have the, um, the social media following that I do, which is lovely for my ego, but 
it was like, how can I really do something to like, I'm not just checking my li- my neural likes. I'm trying to do something positive in the world. I sort of hit a moment the other day where it's like the flashback Fridays and throwback Thursdays and way back Wednesdays. I found that I was just posting pictures where I looked awesome. I was like, look how cool I look at this picture. I'm going to post it. And then I tried to come up with something else like where I, I would sort of post stuff for gratitude Tuesday or thankful Thursday. But it's going, here was a moment where I was so grateful for. Yeah. I think it's good to mix those up. There's no reason and why. I'm still posting pictures where I look awesome. Yeah. But I'm I, I was I'm just going to say. For the moment. There's, you know, the other day I posted a, an Instagram of me because they had this app on Snapchat. I don't even use Snapchat. I just use it for the little pictures and the things you could do to your face. And then I save them. I don't like use Snapchat, but it was a bald one. And I was Lex Luthor again. I was like, and I posted <laughs> it. And people were like, what the fuck? And it looked so cool. I was like, holy shit. This is great. But it's, you know, look. We have a platform, so I think it's it's great to say, "Oh, there's a really good picture of me." Uh, here's the wonderful things I get to do, and hey, let's well, uh, this is uh, let's save lives here and let's help uh, people. I think that all those things are good, you know. Well, some we of are better. awesome, Michael. We're really incredible. That's what the theme of this whole thing, this podcast, was. There, so what well, we've really done. It. I love us. Yeah, good for us. Good for us, Timothy. Boy, Michael. Yeah, you too. Back at you. Well, listen. Happy birthday, and. <laughs> Dude, this this has been great. I really, I loved every minute of it, and uh, I, I hope you had fun. I had a lovely time talking to you. I can't wait to get to do this in person one of these days. Yeah, we're gonna do the wine thing, and I, I on my porch with some wine. And by the way, this is so good because so many people that they're just gonna. I think they're gonna love this. I mean, your people love you, so I think this is gonna be really good for. Well, thanks, man. All right. Well, I'm gonna keep in touch and bother you every once in a while, so get used to it. Rosie, say the word, man. I'll beat you to it. All right. Much love to you, man. Thank you again. I'm gonna say this, Rosie. I love you. I love you too. Okay, I'll see you soon. There you have it, guys. If you enjoyed today's show, please, please subscribe. And uh, on YouTube, I love it. I love you watching the videos, telling me what you think. I do go back and and respond to a lot of them. I look at all your responses and uh, your messages, and I thank you from the bottom of my heart. And uh, make sure you subscribe on on the audio. Keep listening and uh, telling all your friends. And uh, we have a great episode coming up next week. It's going to be a big one. And uh, I've been trying to get this person for a long time. So you're going to want to stay tuned Mm -hmm. to see who that is. I think you're going to really love it. You've seen him in everything. Once again, the handles, Ryan. Uh, At Inside of You Pod on Twitter. At Inside of You Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. YouTube.com slash Inside of You. That's correct. And go to stageit.com and type in Michael Rosenbaum. Follow me there to listen to, uh, you know, We'll let you know when we're playing a show. But remember, every last Saturday of the month, um, 2 p.m. and 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time shows, two shows. We play covers, new songs, Left on Laurel songs. It's a lot of fun. Um, and a lot of the same people come back. And I, boy, do I love them and appreciate their support. And we, you know, their prizes. So we Zoom people after the show. And uh, we have a lot of, a lot of fun doing it. I, I, I want it to continue, man. If I could just do music for the rest of my life, forget about it. And of course the inside you store, take 15% off inside, use the code inside 15, go to the inside you store, tons of great stuff. Uh, right now, why don't I, uh, read off the, uh, wonderful patrons that support the show and really are the reason, uh, a lot of the reason why I kept this thing going before Westwood one came on. And uh, that's been going great, and I hope it continues. But it doesn't continue without your support, so there you go. Also, I can't say anything, but th- there was some really cool... I had a really good conversation with someone uh, last week about a potential war- job. Mm-hmm. Maybe. 
Oh. It's just, I, I'm not going to say anything. All I'm going to say okay. is it is something I think that uh, I would like to do. I think you should do it, too. Well, let's not talk about it anymore. Okay. But uh, believe me, when I do announce it, if it does happen, which wouldn't be till next year, I will, uh, I will tell you guys first. But I don't know what it is. I mean, you don't know what it is. I sort of maybe know what it is. Could be horror. Who knows? Uh, here's a shout out to all the loved patrons. Nancy D, Leah S, Trisha, Sarah V, Little Lisa, Yukiko, Jill E, Brian H, Lauren G, Nico P, Robin S, Jerry W, Emily K, Robert B, Jason W. Do you say W or W? I like W. George W. WB. <laughs> Stephen J. Kristen K, Amelia O, Allison L, Jess J, Lucas M, Raj, Joshua D. We still got to make up a song somehow where we just play a song mm -hmm. and we add names to it. <laughs> I don't know if we play it while we're just listening so we don't have to keep recording it. But, you know, you tell people as part of the patrons top tiers that you mentioned, you give a shout out. So couldn't a shout out be their names in a song? Mm hmm. You could do it, uh, Billy Joel. We didn't start the fire style. We didn't start. Emily S and C J. Yeah, that'd be tough, but we could do it. <laughs> Emily S, C J P, Samantha M, Hamza B, Jennifer N, Jackie P, Stacy L, Carly H, Jennifer S, Janelle B, Carrie B, Tab of the two seventy two, not to be confused with. Tab of the two seventy three. Ashley R, Kimberly B, Crystal H, Mike E, Marissa N. Jack S. Slater's back. Ramira, Beth B. Santiago M. Sarah F. Chad W. Leanne P. Roshan. Ray A. Maya P. Megan J. Maddie S. Tiffany I. Kendrick F. Ashley E. I remember when this list was really small. It's yeah, nice. Um, it's huge now. It is, but fuck it. I love it. Mm. Ashley E. Shannon D. Matt W. Belinda N. Lisa J. Kevin V. Robert S. James R. Chris H. Snow R. Anusha W. Osborne. Osborne H. Gabby M. Dave H. Samantha S. Spider-Man. Chase. That's correct. Sheila G. Not to be confused with. Sheila E. Yeah, that's correct. Ray H. Allison C. Jacob H. Tabitha T. Misha H. Deb A. Tom N. Natalie 622. Not to be confused with. Natalie 623, of course. Allie B. Henry S. Katie F. Daniela V. Liliana A. Those are the patrons. And uh, by the way, I love each and every one of you, whether you're on this list or not. And uh, in fact, I have to send my merch boxes. I have 20 boxes in there that I have to send out and I have to pack it up. Mm -hmm. I think I start. I think I probably need to get more merch. I have so much. If you get the same thing, you know, I did send you the letter, but I'm going to, you know, the little note. But mm -hmm. anyway, that's the show. Uh, Ryan, thank you as always. Thank you. And, uh, Keep up the killer work, man. Killer work, dude. Uh, Bryce, I love you, buddy. Thanks for everything. And Sunspin, uh, come and uh, watch us on a stage <laughs> it. And uh, we'll have merch eventually, but the album's going to come out soon. And uh, we play a couple of the songs. And even when we play them on stage, it, as good as I think they sound, they're, they're fun. Uh, they're just so full. We got my good friend Emma Fitzpatrick on vocals and Elliot Yamin from American Idol. He has a great voice. New songs coming out. Um, who else? Uh, great musicians, Billy uh, Moran and Rob Humphreys and just great musicians. And I'm really excited about it. And uh, I love making the Left on Laurel album. And now this is just the, the next level. It's just, uh, you know, I'm trying to expand and, and, and keep writing music, keep doing what 
I love. And I think that's important for all of you guys out there. doesn't matter if you're great at it or good at it or if you just enjoy it. You just got to do it, man. Just enjoy, just do it. And that's my cue. The uh, gardeners are here. So I'm going to say goodbye. Thank you for allowing me to be inside of each and every one of you. Until next time. Ryan. Bye. Bye. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.